Because of what God has done in paying the sacrifice through Jesus, we now have peace with Him. And now, rather than hating one another, we ought to love one another. Because God has made us right in Christ. This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. Several of you have asked about how you can help in response to Hurricane Harvey. You know, one of the great things about being a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, our denomination, is something called the Cooperative Program. And we don't talk about it like we should, but we give 10% of everything that we take in straight to the Cooperative Program. And it goes to things like seminary preparation, national and international missionaries. But one of the greatest things it goes towards is disaster relief. Did you know that the Southern Baptist Convention has the third largest disaster relief organization in the country, right behind the American Red Cross, right behind the Salvation Army. In fact, the president of the North American Mission Board just met this Friday with the president of the United States going over some of the relief effort. We are serving Southern Baptists 400,000 meals a day right now in the Texas area. We have 80,000 trained volunteers across this country. And so you may not realize it, but if you put something in the offering plate last Sunday or this Sunday or a Sunday 10 years ago, you are helping people in Houston right now. I think that's pretty cool. The other thing that we need to do is we need to take up a special offering for the reconstruction and the rebuilding efforts that are going to take place. And so there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can text Send Relief to 41444, that's in your bulletin. You can also go online at nam, namb.net slash Harvey, or you can wait till the end of the service and we'll take up a special love offering. All of that is going towards Southern Baptist disaster relief. Even before the hurricane hit, we had food buckets on the ground. We had supplies that were already there ready to go our North American Mission Board is well-trained at this, and so what we want to do is give them the funding so they can get the supplies there to the people. It's a great thing. There's no other denomination in the world that can do what we do, and I thank God for that. And so all of the offering will be taken and go directly to the North American Mission Board. 100% of what you give, none of that goes to fund them. It all goes straight to getting resources there on the ground. We have also considered a partnership with Lewisport Baptist Church to go on a mission trip um, there to help relief efforts the week of fall break. And so if you would be interested in that, there's some information in your bulletin about that. They're kind of leading that effort and we're considering signing on. But if you would like to help, they'll be doing things like uh, demolition. Some of you love to tear things down. Um, if you want to be a part of that, that'll be great. And then at the close of the service, um, this day has been declared a national day of prayer, and we're going to take a few moments during the invitation time to pray and to seek the Lord and to ask people who have lost so much um, for the Lord to intervene there. Seventy percent of people who lost their homes did not have flood insurance. And so we want to do everything we can to pray and give support in whatever way the Lord will enable us to do. So that's what's taking place. With that being said, Hebrews chapter 13, and let's begin reading in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body." Now, one of the most difficult aspects of Scripture, the writer of Hebrews has gone 12 chapters now telling us about theology, what we believe, and what we have in Jesus. And now he moves from what we believe to where we live. 
And so chapter 13 is just full of exhortations and commands. This is what you do because of what you believe. It's a lot easier to talk about your faith than to live out your faith. And the writer knows this well. And so he gives us specific ways in this, how this can happen. How to treat others as a believer in Christ. You know, what I've found is there are not very many people who are against the golden rule. There's a lot of people who find it very difficult to put into practice. Why is it much easier to show enmity and to show hatred and to show hostility and to show strife than it is to show love? You say, well, I'm a, I'm a very loving person and I believe the world is that way too. Try cutting somebody off in traffic and see if you think the same way. Try standing in line for an extra amount of time. Try doing that with the server who got your order wrong and see how quickly the world doesn't move to enmity. But I would submit to you that the reason is that it is so difficult is because we do it, practicing brotherly love, for all of the wrong reasons. And what the writer tells us is because of everything that has happened in Jesus, this is how you let brotherly love continue. And one of the things we have to learn is we have to root, I'm going to get English technical on you, so bear with me, non-English non fans. We have to root the imperative what God has commanded us to do in the indicative, what's already happened. In other words, we got to root the commands of Scripture in the Christ that the Scripture proclaims. Because if you don't do that, here's what's going to happen. You're going to do things for a couple of different reasons. You're going to do things when you feel like it. I feel like helping somebody today. I'm in a good mood. Well, we're thankful for that. But what happens on the days when you're not in a good mood? If you do things solely by your feelings, your feelings are up, your feelings are down, they come and go, they're like the wind, you're really not going to be of use to people on a consistent basis. Or if you don't do things simply for yourself or for your feelings, but you do things for others without considering the Lord, at some point you are going to do things based on whether or not somebody deserves it in your mind. You will inevitably shift to a judgmental mentality of this person deserves my love because of what they've done, and this person doesn't deserve my love because of what they've done or what they haven't done. Instead, what God calls us to do is to do what we do in love because of Jesus. And so I don't just do things in the abstract. I don't just serve because it's a good thing to do. I do it because Jesus first served me. I don't just love because it's a great thing that the world needs more of, and there's a lot of songs about it. I do it because Jesus first loved me. I don't just give because somebody places some guilt on my heart. I do it because Christ gave his all for me. And when we begin to give, and we begin to serve, and we begin to love because of what Christ has done, and not based on how I feel, and not based on what other people do or do not do on my behalf, it makes all the world of the difference. And so the writer will say, because you have rest in Christ, because Jesus is your great high priest, because you have a legacy of faith, and you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and you have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, because of all that, let brotherly love continue because it is the only way that people will see Jesus through your walk and through your life. How do you show brotherly love? It's the opposite of what transpired for Cain and Abel, is it not? There was brotherly hatred so much so that Cain's, Abel's blood rather spilled, crying out from the ground. 
Isn't it sad what often transpires in the biblical storyline? Instead of brotherly love, we have brotherly hatred. Cain and Abel, Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, fighting over the same inheritance and the same birthright. I have seen more fights break out at funerals than I ever thought I would see. And it always has to do with money. Enmity, strife, rather than love. But now because of what Jesus has done, because Jesus is our brother, because he has come and done what no one else could do before him, now that we have been reconciled in Christ, he says that blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel because it makes us right. It gives us peace with God. And because of what God has done in paying the sacrifice through Jesus, we now have peace with him. And now rather than hating one another, we ought to love one another. Because God has made us right in Christ. This past summer, as I attended the Southern Baptist Convention in Phoenix, we had a controversy break out. It was over some of the comments of the alternate right, which advocates white supremacy and a bunch of other things that believers shouldn't believe in. And what they did was that they grabbed the social media hashtag that we were using, which was SBC17, to record the meeting, and they began to put out all kinds of racist images and racist rhetoric. I mean, if I showed you some of the things on the screen, it would appall you. And so what we did after a couple of missteps, there's a, there's a little bit of a bureaucracy that has to take place to get a resolution to the floor. What we finally did was got together and condemned white supremacy and racism. And you know what was the coolest thing about it? I turned around as the convention stood and applauded all that, and the news media covered it, and I saw... African-American brothers and sisters, pastors and church members and others who were openly weeping over that. And here's the wonder of it all. The Southern Baptist Convention, founded partly because of slavery, now sits at the table of brotherhood with their descendants. And he says, look, no longer are you black and white. No longer are you young and old. No longer are you rich and poor. But you are one in Christ Jesus. And because of this, you are to let brotherly love continue. It's the very essence of the law and the prophets. Maybe you don't know everything in the Old and New Testament, but just know this. Love God with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. And when you figure that out, you've got it all figured out. And it's a demonstration of the Spirit of God working in my life. This is what Alexander McLaren says. The world takes its notion of God most of all from those who say they belong to God's family. They read us a great deal more than they read the Bible. They see us. They only hear about Jesus Christ. So people outside of these walls, they don't read the Bible. They read you. And you better be pointing them to Jesus. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. Man, we don't do a very good job of that sometimes. Pretty easy for a Baptist church to split. Just change the flavor of the Kool-Aid or the color of the carpet and put a committee together and you've got it. How do we show love to one another? Often very easy to find flaws rather than to look for faith. Do we seek to love one another as God has loved us? Because love is able to cover a multitude of sins. And that's part of why we're seeking out those who are on our membership role, because we believe that God loves them, and we also believe that we're a part, they're a part of our family. 
In a world in which there is so much hate, he says, let brotherly love continue. And the best way to practice this brotherly love is by showing hospitality. And he says, be careful not to be forgetful to to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You know, this is one of the most fascinating verses in the Bible to me, Hebrews 13.2. What does it mean to entertain angels unawares? I think he's referring to Abraham, who, if you remember, had three visitors randomly approach him one day, and rather than turning them off, he had no idea who they were. He later found out that they were messengers of the Lord with a message from the Lord. In fact, one of them may have been the very representative of God. Angels unawares. See, I wonder if angels are sometimes described and dressed like homeless people. I wonder if they're dressed like people who we would never think about. With the epidemic of selfishness that's in our world, the me mentality, it's interesting. How does a nation go from parading Nazi flags and promoting racism one week to showing all kinds of compassion the next week? Isn't it sad that it often takes a tragedy to pull us together? And yet we see that, don't we? hospitality. That's part of the greatness of this country, by the way, is that we're a melting pot. We don't have black and white or Asian or Latino culture. We've got American culture. So much of a deal that we make about ethnicity, and yet the Savior of our faith was most likely a dark-skinned Middle Eastern man who never spoke a word of English. We put up barriers because we have problems being around people who are different than us. And often what we do is we make these into political issues rather than biblical issues. And I wouldn't do, I wish we wouldn't do that. I know we have to secure our borders. I know we have to have an immigration policy and whatever side you fall on that, I understand. But care for refugees, whether they're in this country or another country, is our problem as believers. That's what we're called to do. Because before we're Americans, we're Christians. And God has called us to reach out to those who are in need. I don't know if I've ever shared this publicly. I may have. If I have, you'll forgive me. I've shared more than one thing too many times. Uh, In 2011, when the Southern Baptist Convention was held out in in Phoenix the last time, I went out there. I was by myself. I decided I was going to tour several areas of Phoenix. So I went down to the State House and some other areas. And I met a guy there who was a foreign exchange student who was getting ready to start college. And he was just on one of these travel-the-country trips. He had gone all the way across the country. And we began to to talk and to communicate as best we could. And he just kind of asked kind of a, a strange question. He said, where are you going to next? And I just kind of gave a strange answer. I said, I don't know. Why don't you go with me? And we ended up spending the rest of the day going over all these different places in in Phoenix and and driving around and having a good time. And along the way, I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with him. He wasn't a believer. And we got to share and and go back and forth. But I, I just wonder how many opportunities we have that we ignore because we've got too much on our schedule and because we're afraid about being interrupted. Did you know most of the miracles in Jesus' life don't occur on the script? They occur when he's interrupted. And you have to have this willingness to be interrupted. We were in Julie's this past week in Tell City um, eating lunch, and one of the employees came over to our table and said, you're the pastor at Crossroads, aren't you? 
And I always get nervous about that. I think, what, what do they want to know? I said, I don't know. What are you about to ask? And she said, there's a family over there who just lost their mother or loved one. They just found out about it. Would you mind going to pray with them? We never have any idea who, who the Lord is, is sending our way. And so we have to pray for a spirit of discernment. Because often it's hard to know who needs help and, and who doesn't. And we know that there's a fine line between helping and enabling. We have to exercise both compassion and, and wisdom. I was with Teresa Doby at her, at her shop in Tell City just the other day, visiting with her. And I kept noticing her looking out the windows. I had my back to the window, but she was looking out. And every time she would do so, she said, there's been a lot of, of shady people walking around Tell City on the sidewalk today. And then she said, Good thing I'm packing. And I thought, I, I hope I don't look too shady today. It might not be a good day for me. A lot of times when we help people like that, we don't know the outcome. What if I don't know how they'll respond? What if I don't know what we'll do? And this is a legitimate question. But I wonder sometimes if that's the whole point. Maybe it doesn't matter if we know the outcome. Maybe we're just supposed to love them and serve them and point them to Jesus just like the Good Samaritan does, not knowing the outcome. We try to help as many people as we can through benevolence as they come through here. Sometimes we're not able to if we're over budget. Sometimes we don't always know the need. And we try to help everybody at least once and present them the gospel while we're doing it. He says, show brotherly love. Show, show hospitality. And then he calls us to show compassion. He says, remember those who are in prison and those who are mistreated. Remember what Jesus will say in Matthew, I was in prison and you visited me. Now there's a difficulty in this, isn't there? Because a lot of time in prison, we know what people are in there for if they pled guilty to their crimes. And so we can start judging whether or not we care for those in prison based on what they did. So if they stole a little bit versus whether they stole a lot if they harmed one person, whether they harmed another person. But the Scripture doesn't put delineations on this, does it? Even if they harmed you. It says, don't forget those who are in prison as if they were visiting you. Donald Sprouse used to be the, the, the chief kind of, um, it's not a probation officer, but he would, he would help uh, those who were in the LaRue County Prison with, with exercise and with work in, in LaRue County and other, way, other places. He had, a, he had a heart for that. And you would always see him a, around several of the guys. They would be, you know, cleaning up a park or, or picking up litter on the side of the road, getting out for that day. And sometimes people would stop and they would ask him and they would say, what are you doing? What are you doing with these prisoners? And he would say, don't call them prisoners. They're not prisoners, they're inmates. And he had this, this attitude and this spirit that somehow, in spite of, of what these folks had done or had been accused of, he was going to help them preserve human dignity. To preserve their dignity. Which they've been created in the image of God. You know, that's what separated Christianity from everything else in the ancient world. The ancient world, if you had a disease, good luck to you. You know who invented the hospitals? Right here. Jesus hung out with the lepers. It was an atrocious thing to do in that day. And yet he did it 
because he was caring for those who were mistreated. This is what it means to be a part of the community of believers. One person put it this way, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are largely fruits of sustained interaction with God. Just as a child picks up traits more or less simply by dwelling in the presence of her parent, so the Christian develops tenderheartedness, compassion, humility, forgiveness, joy, and hope through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That is, by dwelling in the presence of God the Father and Jesus Christ His Son. And this means, to a very large extent, living in a community of serious believers. If you're going to love with one another, you've got to be with one another. If you're going to bear with one another's burdens, you've got to be around one another. That's why he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, even though everything is pulling at your calendar. Be in the Lord's house, because this is how people are going to know who we are when we love one another. And notice what, what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, start brotherly love. He says, let it continue. See, if you're a believer in Christ, you have love for brothers and sisters. This is how you know, not just that the world knows who we are, but this is how you know whether you're a believer or not. Do you have love for brothers and sisters in Christ? This is what he calls us to, to let brotherly love continue, to not stifle it, and thus see the work of the Lord. And it's all grounded in love for Christ. Love for Christ compels love for others. Because when I start obeying God, and I start believing God, I will always, always, always start loving others more. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.